intro number one. Uh, Patrick, make sure you play this one, assuming we do get a guest this weekend. So we'll, we'll run with this one. Uh, all right. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. Uh, we've got an amazing, amazing show for, for all you listeners out there. Uh, we do have a guest on this show, potentially. And, uh, you know, he definitely, he's a man of mystery. I don't want to reveal too much as a teaser, not because I don't know who it is, because it's a teaser. And he knows much more about the game than our last guest, Andy, which I think is a pretty low bar to pass, but he'll uh, he'll have a new perspective on the game. And obviously, I'm joined by my partner in crime, uh, Patrick Crowley. How are you feeling, buddy? Uh, good to be here. I uh, feel, feel right at home with Arsenal sitting in fourth place. I'm thrilled to, to get into it and talk about it. And I guess more importantly, uh, how are you dealing with the podcast fam? You know, it's it's been difficult. You know, you look at the numbers and they go up and they go up and they go up. And they told me about the Andy Samora effect, but I didn't think it was real. And, you know, now I'm seeing it with my two eyes. So, uh, Man's got a magic touch. Ha, you know, what can I say? Ha, ha, ha. yes, I have been referred to that in my past. Yes. Uh, in the work week, Andrew, and hopefully he's listening now, remembers that he's a Leicester fan and can God. name more than one player. But um, that was a lot of fun. Looking forward to having him back yeah. and, of course, more guests because I think we had a lot of people reach out. And, uh, you know, we being for the people, it's only right that we have the people on. Yeah, shout out Andy, and more importantly, uh, shout out all the listeners. I mean, um, analytics is very bare bones right now, but from what I've gleaned from our producer slash co-host Patrick Crowley mm-hmm. is that uh, – we got a decent amount of downloads coming from the last episode, and that's just a big thank you to all you guys if you're listening, if you're passing it on. Um, I think for the first five episodes, we, uh, we're we literally talking to ourselves. So to even know that a few other people are enjoying this as much as we are is awesome. So just wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah, yeah, for real. It, it, it means a lot. It's even at, even at kind of some really um, you know minuscule numbers in the grand scheme of things, it is pretty humbling just to know that we got some people out there that are willing to listen to us ramble uh, and we're, we're we're happy you're here for the ride uh, i also shout out my co-host james getting our instagram up and running um i think we got some pretty fire content on there feel free to leave us questions and uh we'll do our best to to answer them on the show uh we really want to engage Ooh. engage the people in more ways than one so uh again thank you to all you guys and mm-hmm. keep on keep on keeping on what a yeah. horrible thing to say I, I couldn't even bring that sentence together that's why I'm the color guy. Catch you on the flippity flop. I will see you there, or I will right. see you on another time. So let's get into the content, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, prone to rambles, the two of us. But I like to look at this year as you know, sticking to our resolutions is the year of the anti-ramble. And I thought of a pretty intense segment of a way to get us there. The segment's called Shock Collar, mm. and essentially how this is going to go down is. We can't talk about United or Arsenal have our proverbial dessert until we've eaten our vegetables. And, you know, there's oh. a whole lot of... Yeah, yeah. There's a, no, hear me out. I'm finding, out whole, I'm finding this out live with you people. I'm just as upset as you are. <laughs> Jury's out on if they're upset. <laughs> but <laughs> essentially, we've got a couple other teams we got to get out of the way. It was transfer deadline day, at least um, for this specific episode, January 31st. So there's a few things to talk about. And then, you know, we get to eat our dessert, and we can talk about United, we can talk, talk about Arsenal, but uh, in the uh, the spirit of the shock collar, if I catch you rambling about Ozil being named captain, or Emile Smith-Rowe being sent out on loan, uh, you lose a talking point come the end of the game. Um, I, haven't, I haven't quite figured out how to, you know, 
preside over this from a judiciary standpoint, but we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, we got early, early, uh, early dissent for this uh, this segment on my side. That's um, a yellow card. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're just like the FA, James. Arbitrary rules. Enforce it when you want. Let's talk about Crystal Palace or whatever you'd like to like to discuss today. Well, they're on the list, so worry not. But I don't think there's any avoiding the true headline of transfer deadline day, which is Fellaini is uh, about to finalize a deal that would no longer make him a Manchester United player. You must like be thrilled. Moment. I'd like a moment of silence. Is this a, uh, is this a good one, or is this one where like the you know you're yeah. yeehawing through the moment of silence at NASCAR or whatever? No, it's a hundred percent positive. But I realized when it happened, he in a way became. At least in my eyes, the Phil Jones, where, uh, you know, you love to hate him. But at the same time, um, I, I feel like he became the scapegoat of, of the post-Ferguson era United. And the guy tried, so, you know, I'm happy to see him leave. But at the same time, he got a bad rap. What are the rules to this game? You just start off talking about United. It was, it was under the guise of transfer deadline day. Oh, you man, you're sneaking question, them in. You can't question the rules. Yeah, but All then right, you're I'm talking r- about the scope and scale. No, but he scored some big goals for you guys during, like, some pretty low times. But he scored some big goals. Like, you know, that one where he, you know, drew level with Burnley in the 89th minute. Um, maybe the other one where he took the lead against Newcastle. You know, he's been he a big player in big he, moments. He wasn't the hero we deserved, and he wasn't the one we wanted either. Or the and one you think, needed. Oh, I don't think he was the one we needed. <laughs> he was the one that was given to us um, yeah. for an overpriced amount at the last minute. Anyway, you know. End of an era. Patrick, you're not you're not helping me Yeah. with this game. So I'm going to rattle off some headlines that I saw. Okay, okay. And I want you. We'll stay I on just track. Want, yeah, just chime in as you feel necessary. So here's what the other one I wrote down. There. Uh, Tottenham has signed nobody. Absolutely zero. Uh, expected it. How, yeah, how does that grab you? Expected it. You don't, you don't sign anybody in the summer. You're probably not signing anybody in the winter. Actually, man, that's probably not a good adage. It probably goes the opposite. But they're out of money. And they were very but, clear about not needing to sign anybody. But uh, stay stay woke to this. Uh, mm. Son was obviously out in the uh, Asian Cup with South Korea, a favorite of the tournament. They lost in the quarterfinal to Ooh. Qatar. Whoa. And I don't know if someone wants to get the conspiracy train going on Pochettino making a call to the South Korean coach telling him to throw the game, but South Korea is a team to beat Germany in the World Cup. They're losing 1-0 to Qatar so Son can come home. I don't think it's inconceivable. Um, I'm not saying that conspiracy theory, but I'll buy the other conspiracy theory that they're already match-fixing for Qatar because it's going to Qatar. I'm because well, I mean, everyone's Frank, trying to get rid of that World Cup, and so they might just be trying to build Qatar, the nation, up as like a legitimate FIFA team when they're like dead last in the rankings. I like it. Hey, I, practice, I buy that a practice makes perfect. Oh, know? I'm I am the I am the conductor on the uh, conspiracy train, so I I will hop on anything. And this yeah. is that's a big one. We're going straight to the top. Set Blatter's not still in charge, is he? Uh, no, it's a different bald guy. That's what he wants you to think. Yeah. Mm, ooh, I see yeah. what you did there. Yeah, yeah, Set yeah. Me up there. Moving right, on. Number three. Number three. Peter Crouch back in the Premier League over at Burnley. I saw that. I didn't realize he's out of the Premier League, but I guess Stoke isn't in the Premier League anymore. So he is 38 years old, seven feet tall, and about as malnourished as a kid from Sudan. Yeah, and he is one of my favorite soccer players. 
he would be way higher if he didn't ever play for Spurs. And I think that you're actually surprised that I knew that and you wanted to catch me in something. But you didn't. But he, I'm impressed. The quote that he said when somebody asked him what he would be if he wasn't a football player, he said a virgin. He got a fan for life out of me. All because, time favorite. Yeah, he, he looks he looks like Stephen Merchant on a bad day. Self awareness yeah. is uh, lost on a lot of people these days, but right. but not Crouchy. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him again. I'm, I really am. like truth. He's just a fun guy to watch. Yeah, great guy to have he's around. Weird. And Burnley's right. in a Burnley's in a relegation race too, so that actually is like not an insignificant signing. No, no, I think it'll be helpful. They actually offloaded a guy, Vokes, who uh, he was one of those peripheral players who didn't get enough playing time, so it was like one in, one out. And I think you'd rather have Crouch, who's just like, he's got to be a morale booster in the locker room versus a guy who just wants playing time, um, which is respectable. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he just went down to the champion. Like, he didn't, he's certainly doesn't have too big of a head. A no brainer, as yeah. they call it. Um, yeah. All right. Next up around the horn, Leicester City signed Yuri Thielmans and. The only reason this is of much value to me is amongst the FIFA community a couple of years ago, he had the highest rated potential in the game. <laughs> so I expect big things. Yeah, I don't I don't uh, I don't know who this is. Where 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 where'd he sign from? Monaco, who he apparently had a shit year. Oh okay. really bad. So well so, I mean I, I guess mean, if he's you know half as good as the FIFA projected, that's probably a good signing for Leicester. <laughs> So if he does well, I'll be I'll be the guy who says I called it. But really, all I did was follow a video game ranking of a player. So okay, I got I got a so um, hand up there. I got an over under for you on Yuri okay. Tillman's. Okay. Over under really before or after March first, Andy <laughs> mentions Yuri Tillman's to us. Oh, I don't. Let me answer that question with a, a story that I was thinking of. I don't think. Let's say we interview Andy end of March, like you said. I don't think he's going to remember the players we told him about, yeah. <laughs> let alone Yuri Thielman's. So you're you're going over. Oh, I'm smashing the over. He called Jamie Vardy the Bacardi guy when we talked to him next. Oh my goodness! I didn't know he said that. That is fantastic. <laughs> I hope he's all in, and I hope and it's really more oh, of a wait, test. Wait, 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 wait! I'm sorry. I got to get this out. He remembered the Bacardi guy, and then his post game research allowed him to remember James Madison because he was an American political grandfather. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's doing his research. All I'm saying is, we're really betting on whether or not he listens to this episode of the podcast. In a timely um, fashion, and well, so he was asking us when we were. I'm taking the under. I'm slamming the under. Media. I think Ooh. we have a new, not only guest for life, but fan for life. Hopefully, soccer fan for life as well. So I'm going the under. I believe in Andy. We'll see what pans out of the next month. Love it. Okay, uh, Chelsea signed Higuain, uh, an overweight bald guy who apparently used to be good at football. He is back, and he took part in Chelsea's biggest loss in the Premier League since '95. Yeah, and Sari said he was out of shape, and so and, ooh, to, yeah, coming from Sari, yeah, who dude, can't that's spend ripping a minute without on gnawing on a nicotine yeah. stub. Yeah, that guy's you know n- not a beacon of fitness. So Higuain, <laughs> Higuain has got to be in some trouble. Um, yeah, uh, but he's still we'll get class to the though. Themselves. He's still class. We'll get to the games themselves later. He does. Yeah, he is class. It might take some time. Um, also. <clears throat> Chelsea related, uh, there was an interesting development late in fantasy, uh, sorry, not fantasy, uh, transfer window um, dealings where Batshuayi, I don't know if you remember him, Mishi yep. Batshuayi, yep. he uh, was on loan at Valencia. He had a semi-successful spell before that at Dortmund, I believe. I think a real um, successful one, yeah. 
Yeah, he kind of faded at Valencia. So mm-hmm. what I was reading was he came back to Chelsea because his loan ended. Chelsea didn't want him, so they wanted to deal him immediately. And what ended up happening was he went to Crystal Palace, which I think is a great coup for them to have. Wow. Uh, if you picture that the is. front three, they're rocking now Zaha, um, yep. uh, Batshuayi down the middle, and then Townsend, who's not he's not a world beater, but he's not bad he scored some bangers goal of the season that's right yeah yeah he's got two right now he's competing he's competing against himself for goal of the season that's right so uh i mean you might argue otherwise but point being on the one hand that's great for palace on the other hand it's a little strange to me from chelsea who seemed so keen to offload this guy when it's like couldn't you use all the help you can get at center forward it they seemed so keen to get rid of him yeah, and especially I. I mean, I. I, I mean, I think that might have just been sorry doubling down on Morata um, at the beginning of the season, and then Batshuayi didn't have, I guess, a good spell in um, in Spain. So maybe they don't know what to do now. But coming off that Dortmund season, I was like, you know, he should be competing with Morata. So I was surprised that he was right back out on loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was an interesting one, and then. Um I'm giving you a loophole to talk about Arsenal, as mm-hmm. as I did with Fellaini, so it wasn't against the shot collar rules. Yeah, how deep can Just I go? To be clear. How deep uh, can I go? You, it's like treat it like around the horn. Okay. You got about a, you got about a minute. Okay, so uh, Arsenal picks up Denis Suarez on loan, who I feel like if you looked at a hypothetical Arsenal player factory and you were like, create me the most stereotypical Arsenal player you can find. Mm-hmm. He looks like the love child of Ramsey and Bellerin. Yeah, a little bit. Um, also kind of gives us like another another Spanish midfielder. Hopefully it's as, as good as the, the, the ones we've had previously. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It seems like It seems like the jury's really still out. Potential doesn't seem sky high, but, you know, I think that if he's able to kind of establish, you know, I don't know, um, the ability to do something in the middle of the park, he can find himself right at home there. How much game time do you think he's going to get? Um, so he played under Emery at Sevilla, so I think he's going to get in the game pretty quick. Uh, and that's, mm. I'm basing that off of... Um, Ginduzi getting the minutes he's getting when the fr- that was his that was Emery's first signing and he got uh, hey had Ginduzi at PSG so mm-hmm. I think Emery's going after his guys with these two signings so I expect to see a decent amount of them even if he's not ready. Okay, what space to watch and obviously we'll come back to Arsenal towards mm-hmm. the end of the show. Um, overall, I think those were all the big ones that I captured. Um, overall, it seems like teams were more wary of January moves this year. Um, I think. It's become a pretty uh, cliche narrative of how expensive it is and costly it is to make a panic buy in January, and teams would rather wait until the summer. And then beyond that, an interesting thought was, does it affect the locker room, team chemistry? You know, if you bring in a player in your position, that player automatically thinks that they're not good enough. And then we end up with what was, I mean, listing off everything we just talked about, it was a pretty quiet Mm -hmm. window compared to ones we've seen in, in the past. Oh, yeah, especially last year. You know, we're coming off of last year was crazy. You know, Van Dyke moved um, the pretty high-profile swap between, um, you know, our two teams, Aubameyang coming into Arsenal. Like, the things were happening. Giroud left. You know, there's there's and went to Chelsea. You know, there was uh, – that's why I went on loan. 
Yeah. You know, there's just the, everything was moving around last year, it seemed like, in like in a major way. And now you look at Virgil van Dijk as, you know, perhaps the best defender in the Premier League. Uh, Obama Young, I think, is first or second in goals this season. So there were impact moves last winter. I don't see that right. this winter. Uh, I don't right. know if that says more about the stability of the, the kind of teams in the top six. I think that there's no one. There's, there's, you could make a case for every team in the top six. There's no reason to do anything desperate. I think last year mm-hmm. things maybe had to happen for certain teams, um, but I mean it makes sense. I think that nothing yeah. really happened. I, I understand um, United not really wanting to spend in the middle of a potential coaching change, and also things are going pretty well. Hey, uh, we had the best window, right? Resign Martial, lose lose the Afro. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's a yeah. That was I was I was thinking like something big happened today, and that was just that my heart was broken, and Anthony Marshall will not be available on a free. Um, so I guess we'll pay. We'll pay for him. It's fine. We'll pay for him. Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> we got the money. I think I lost a talking point. I, I dipped a little too deep. Yeah, it's okay. Um, is there is there anything? And you can go pretty wide with this net. Is there anything you would have liked to see happen on deadline day? Um. I would have liked to see um, some more desperation, I want to say, out of the bottom of the table. You know, like, I feel like, you know, I know they don't really have the budgets, but, you know, get a scout to go to the championship and see if some some kid wants to show his stuff off at, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, obviously, Cardiff, that situation, excuse. I'm looking at I'm looking at Fulham and Huddersfield. Yeah. Oh, Huddersfield, whatever. They're going down. It doesn't matter. But, you yeah, know, Burnley made a move, so you have to look at, and Palace made a move. All three of those, and and then Southampton, I don't think did all three of those teams sitting on twenty three points, which is four points clear of relegation. So you know maybe they're safe, but Southampton's a team I'm going to look at with a mm-hmm. under cl- close microscope if they end up getting into some trouble. They mm-hmm. you know they're they're they think they're staying up is what that tells Both me. Ballsy move. I don't like that. Well, keep in mind, Fulham was the team. Fulham, sorry, was the team, uh, the first promoted team to spend over a hundred million, I think, in the summer. So they kind of made their bed, so to speak, and. Now I thought that was Wolves. Lie in it. I didn't no, realize no, no. Fulham. Spent yeah, that it was Fulham. I On mean. who? <laughs> Mitrovic. Yeah. Did they just uh, did they build then, a hundred million about, dollar stadium? Like, what did they spend the that money? Guy, well, how about the other guy who got arrested and could no longer play? On Fulham. <laughs> yeah, uh, the uh, Abubakar Kamara got arrested for getting in a fight at the Fulham training ground. Banned from playing for Fulham, just got traded to some Turkish team. Could not make that up. Uh, yeah, I, I have no reaction to that. <laughs> None. It's, I, I just, am apathetic towards that situation. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. Just people being dumb. Check your um, ego at the door. Yeah, I mean, good. good. Ship them out. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Especially if you're Fulham. Yeah, I know. You like, don't need that kind of spice. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hold on to them, and maybe we'll, we'll hold on to 19th place. Things are going so good. Give me the old stanky boot. Get out of town. Mm-hmm. Well, Mitrovic won that battle um, on and, and off the pitch, um, but specifically on. I don't think we have too much time dedicated to talk about it, but they had a spirited comeback. Um, one four two. They're on the up, so they needed it. Yeah, that, yeah, they they needed that one. And then the last thing I this is kind of a question. Obviously, it's shrouded in a lot of. Um, Sad circumstances, uh, you know, you kind of touched on it, how everything is overshadowed by the one player who didn't arrive at his new club, mm-hmm. being Emiliano Sala um, at Cardiff, which 
is it kind of shook the entire um, football community. Um, my question being, obviously, Cardiff, it's so hard to think about football itself. But at a certain point, you do have to think about football. So I feel kind of weird asking this question, but I feel like it's a soccer podcast. I want to ask the question. He got traded from from Knotts. Uh, Cardiff paid the fee for this this man. Do you, what happens to the fee? I assume that's money that is is gone out of their hands, paid. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's a it's an interesting question, and yeah, obviously, you know. Prayers of hope like for a, a miracle, faith. but like, I yeah, I think that he's got a clear medical, and they usually do that when they get to the new place because it's the team doctor wants to happen, and you know, obviously he didn't make it. So I would guess that Cardiff. I mean, and even if Cardiff, um, like, even if even if that's not in the clause, and Cardiff had to pay him back, like, you know, these teams should at the very least be splitting that fee, coming to get like you can't like the, the, yeah. that's just horrible business, horrible PR, and that's just like the baseline that you need to cover that's not like there's like a level of decency that we've already ignored if you were like hey look you don't want to do half like you know i already right. paid him but like he left right. you know so it's not ours anymore like just give the feedback you know that's mm-hmm. you know i don't know if i'm well, getting too much on a high horse there but you know if if no you know um, i i don't know the finances of these teams either i know we got some some pretty uh it, some like i guess like there's some pretty questionable owners in the footballing world because there's just so many teams but yeah, I, I got to think the, the good business will be done. Um, and also, like, you know, right now it's just still – it's like the, the terrible part about a situation is, like, there's no confirmation, you know. So it's 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 not like – you know, the business is probably just on hold, right? Like, they got to see if he's, like, even even dead yet. I mean, he, I, that's well, the, the overwhelmingly large probability, but they're still searching for him. Or not officially, but his family is. Right. Yeah, it, it almost feels like there's a lack of closure there, and I did. It, I felt weird um, thinking about it, but my mind was naturally drawn to it because I was watching all these transfers go in and out. And um, when it comes down to brass tacks, Cardiff paid. I, it might have been a record fee for this player. Um, it was a big transfer for them, tra- and and um, that you know that is the kind of thing that can 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 sink you. Um, and I was wondering, you kind of alluded to this, I wish there was some kind of moment or move where not only the French team Nantes um, paid back the fee, or at least some of it, I was kind of hoping all Premier League teams would make some kind of gesture. But, you know, I it might be it might be too too soon to even think about, you know, addressing these kind of things outside yeah. of just grieving, but it I don't know. It seems like Cardiff is 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 just sunk more, uh, not just morally, but also you know it's kind of a sucker punch when you're you have to try and play through this, and you know. Yeah, you know, I don't. The, yeah, the I didn't. I didn't. I didn't realize that because I just watched the um, the midweek game, so I only watched the Arsenal game, and they played Cardiff, so they did do something for that game. So I didn't realize that. I assumed there was a moment of silence at every game. But oh I, no! I, I almost, I almost meant, I almost meant monetarily, financially. Oh, I see, I see. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 there's, there's a lot of still unknown, and so I'm, I'm, I guess maybe it's my naivety a little bit, but I'm just kind of hoping that, you know, as things become clearer, those things will be done, um, and maybe that's just me trying to, trying my best to like, make sure, like, hope that people are going to do like, 
the best possible thing the right, for, for yeah, those yeah, involved. You know what I mean? It's not even. It's it's weird because it's not even like does the Premier League need to get involved? Like they should, but they don't need yeah. to. So it's, I'm I'm just hoping they do the thing that's mm-hmm. you know at best best support Cardiff and you know this man's family as they can. You know, and right. allow Cardiff and, and Knotts to support his family in the Premier League sports Cardiff. Hopefully the French League can support Knotts or whatever. So, Well said. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the title race? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we're going to roll down the list. <laughs> okay. It's going to make it. It's going to make the end that much better. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking broccoli. Got a double fake out this week. Uh, City and Liverpool trying their best to muck it up. And I think it's the introduction of Liverpool and their fans uh, feeling like it's their year. It's on. People, people are way too shook for a title race and it to only be the beginning of February. We have a third of the season left. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, are you are you deluding yourself into the, the idea that it is any more than a two-team race? No. I mean, who, who, who are we even talking about? I think Tottenham is more likely to drop out of the top four. Yeah, so Tottenham's. You know, the only reason I ask is because Tottenham is is um, City's only two points clear of Tottenham, and Tottenham is seven points clear. <laughs> well, that just kind of sums up for, how I feel about it, right there. Yeah, so I guess uh, you know, fuck Tottenham again. Um, I I feel the same way. Um, I think that Tottenham will have a window though, but they need to be flawless. Like no, Tottenham, they had their window. It was a specific one week window where people talked about it. And then they blew it against Wolves. Well, well, all I'm saying is, like, I think that this week is indicative of, you know, there, there's a lot to be made in, in the, uh, you know, in the first half of the Premier League year of how untouchable teams are, you know. But but the the as the ter- other tournaments pick up, you know, you can't play your best team twice a week for eight straight months and not have issues and. You know, then you have to introduce other players and other things, and you know they're deep teams. But you know, I don't the, the, like the the pressure being there as well. I mean, City lost. Like, they did they lose at home? No, they didn't lose at home. Okay, I thought they lost no. at home, but Liverpool yeah, tied right. at home. They beat. Yeah, they, Liverpool tied at home. They they you know destroy Arsenal and then they tie it home to Leicester. So these teams aren't invincible. Uh, no. I think that was the main the message this point week, right? coming out of this week. Mm-hmm. That it's, I think every, I think you, myself, and ninety percent of the football community are in agreement that it's between these two teams. And now it's a, a war of attrition in the sense of who's going to make less mistakes versus be more dominant. I think that was the storyline coming out of this week. Okay, so you say so. There's ten percent that think somebody else is in the mix. There's only. 20 Tottenham fans in the world. So where's the rest of that 10% coming from? Give is that just take. is that just fans deluding themselves into thinking United's not going to lose again and close a our, close a 16 have, point gap and Have you seen our form? 14 games? Our form is unparalleled. It is No. Um it's pretty fantastic. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to level with you. I threw out a <laughs> I threw out a percentage there. That was my bad was not accurate um we'll have our stat team check out yeah true percentages and we'll get back to you it's all good i just wanted to have a go at tottenham that was my oh, whole sure. point too so about, about 20 tottenham fans yeah but i mean in, in we both predicted liverpool at the beginning of the year i believe and we I would love to take that back we both like at kind of like the first sign of liverpool struggling mm-hmm. we're like oh yeah but cities they're just too good and now it seems like you know it, it's liverpool's to lose for sure i think yeah it is. is that fair um, to say? 
I think that's fair to say. And oh, an interesting way to look at it is despite it being bad weeks for both teams, um, objectively, mm-hmm. Liverpool came out of it as a good week where they took a four-point lead and they made it a five-point lead. And I've got myself into a pretty dangerous spin zone mindset mm-hmm. where each time Liverpool has a positive week, I tell myself it's going to make the fall that much sweeter. And that's a dangerous place to live if they're like seven points clear with four games left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, But I will stick to that narrative. Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're setting yourself up for an unnecessary pain. You know, you are building up this grand, grand victory for you in Liverpool's failure. It's and already painful. I have to root for City. <laughs> yeah, there's you, no, there's no winning in this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I just don't really, I don't really care about Liverpool or City that much. You know, those aren't the mm. teams that really kind of rev my engine. Uh, so it. it I'm a little indifferent. I just want a good race. I'd like to see it be something that, you know, even if it doesn't come down to the last game of the season, you know, come down to let's let's not decide it with, you know, five or six to play. You know, that I think that took a little bit of the steam out of the the, the league last year. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can only give props to City. That was just an incredible year, but um, but still, I I if 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 Arsenal can't be involved, put on a show for me and make sure Tottenham's not in it. That's my that's my pitch yeah, to the Premier League. You don't have the burden of Hating those two teams. Right. Really. Um, as far as rivals go. Mm-hmm. So I can respect that viewpoint. Uh, on the games themselves, the one thing I wanted to call out with with Liverpool was uh, there was an interesting parallel. You know, Andy's interview, it's been on my mind, stinging in my ears throughout the week, just that huh. American perspective. <laughs> Fun- <laughs> ha, funny you mentioned that, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and... We had an old segment on the show called Talking VAR that kind of went away. I don't know if you saw the Stonewall penalty. I don't know if you saw the Stone... I don't know what that just was. That was my, like... So I'm going to ignore it. So I, I was expecting you to go in, like, a high-pitched Talking VAR song, and I was going... <laughs> I was hoping you were reading me. I was hoping you were reading me. Guess not. I was not reading you. We'll okay, okay. back next week. Yeah, next time, next time. Uh, I'm going to so hit it for you next time. Be ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me with the highs. So on that missed penalty, um, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Essentially, Stonewall penalty that was that was yeah passed over by referee Martin Atkinson, and basically the summary of the post match interview was Klopp saying, "I don't know how he missed it. I don't know how he could have been in a better position to call it, but that's football. You know, you win some, you lose some." End of story. And then we can have this whole debate, and then pundits can have this whole debate, and it's like, if VAR was there, it wouldn't have happened, blah, blah, blah. The interesting perspective that I wanted to bring to you, and Andy made me think of this, because I don't know if you've seen what's been going on with the Saints, but they have filed a class action lawsuit on behalf of Saints ticket holders against that no call in the NFC Championship game. Wait, why like, would... The, wait, what, are, what are they claiming? They are claiming, <laughs> like defamation or like injury to character or, or something it's, it's just the pissed off and angry party that they didn't have a call and it's a lawsuit that is incredible i hope that goes and, to the supreme court i hope it makes it all the way to the supreme bring it court to the top um washington is already a joke let's throw this in the mix at least put it on a show <laughs> yeah 
Oh my God! It can be uh, it can be their first big case to crack as a new Supreme Court. Um, <laughs> but point being, I oh I think God. the NFL. I think it's a statement that they almost have their shit together more. So when a massive injustice takes place, it's billboards, it's class action lawsuits. Right. And the Premier League is just like. What am I going to do about it? You know, we got a game in three days. I'm just going to go prep for this. Well, I, th- I think the, 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 the problem is is the FA suspends managers. So they actually ha- they have to just think, like, is me calling this out worth me not being able to coach my team? In, the, in like, all these other, the American leagues, you just get, you get a fine, which is going to be paid for by your owner. So you can go off if you Suppressing the want. audience. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, that's... You know, I think that that's my biggest shortcoming as a future manager of Arsenal where I don't know that I'd be able to bite my tongue growing up in the American culture of you call it like you see it, mm. you get upset with the officials, you you, you, you throw them under the bus because they aren't held accountable. The FA holds everybody accountable and they kind of like ride around on their little high horse, but they won't hold their own actual employees accountable if the referees yeah, aren't even would... their employees. That would be a nice step to take. That would definitely be the biggest issue I see with you managing Arsenal. Yeah, and I think that you know the the words I would have with Martin Atkinson would probably land me a three game ban with the FA, and then I'd say something to the FA, and I'd be out another three, and so Man. there there I am, missing you know fifteen percent of the season. But the players will love you for it. Yeah, but you know they need me. <laughs> anyway, we're we're getting a little off it, but you know the the um, yeah, I'd, I, w- in what way could we hold referees accountable? Because they can't make enough money to fine them. That would be like, I mean, maybe you should, but that would just, like, you wouldn't have that's any like, referees. That's like me messing up a PowerPoint presentation. My boss docks me 5K, and I need to, I need to suddenly change the way I live my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think a 50K fine to Martin Atkinson is really going to... It's putting him on the street. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need the cream of the crop. Let's raise the standard. Maybe why that's stakes. why maybe that's why England isn't number one in the UEFA coefficient. Maybe that's why Spain's out there running 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 amok, getting to claim that they're the best league in the world. Where we already know the Premier League is the creme de la creme, as we are the prem de la prem. Uh, maybe maybe we need <laughs> less Mark and Atkinson, less Mike Deans, more of the uh, Michael Oliver. Michael Oliver's a good ref. Actually, no, I'm gonna lose a talking point. We'll get into that later. That is, is that it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, if you put me in this box where I can't rant about Arsenal, I'll find something I else know, to go yeah, on. Yeah, you are, you are just grasping at straws, and I gotta say, I love it. I don't, oh, I can't man. even see you right now, but I know, I know you're uneasy. So let's move on to Chelsea. Yeah. You still got Spurs before you can talk to talk about Arsenal. Well, that uh, Chelsea okay. lost four nil. Like Yikes. I said earlier, yeah, yeah, that was real bad. To uh, who? Uh, Bournemouth. Okay, I knew that. I just wanted you to say it out loud. That's yeah, yeah, horrible. For, the viewers, for Andy. That's horrible. Yeah. Bournemouth uh, is end 10th. of the first half. Classic end of the first half stuff. was nil nil. So I oh, think wow. Sar- I, I don't I, I don't know what Sorry said at halftime, but it was something to the effect of who's seen my stubs and <laughs> then the rest didn't <laughs> the rest didn't go through their ears because they came out and took a spanking from a team that you need to credit um, over the longevity of their um, their success because they were I think a non-league side ten years ago, and now they're, you know, um, heavy hitters in the Premier League in the top right. half of the table. But let's—everyone knows we're a pro. Sorry, podcast. Um, right. 
I think it's hard to see the light. Uh, maybe not, uh, f- you know, for the longevity of, of his career. Maybe he wouldn't get sacked at the end of this year. Maybe he finishes in the Champions League. I, it's hard for me to see a world, and I know we get proven wrong all the time, where he creates a title-winning team. The way things have been going and the writing that's on the wall. I I I don't agree with that. I think. Let me pre- can I can I add a few prefaces? You may. I guess it's just one big one. Hazard looks like he's done, mm-hmm. and his replacement. No, no discredit to the kid. The replacement I'm sorry? that looks like. What? Watch your repla- words. Uh, uh, the guy who's coming in is uh, Christian Pulisic, who's not Hazard. Uh, Christian Pulisic is the greatest American soccer player since George Washington, and he is. <laughs> As Andy said, ready to tear the Premier League a new one. Uh, Andy didn't know Chelsea. his name. Yeah, Christian Polsnick. <laughs> <laughs> um, you see, I, I I I like Sorry a lot, and I think that there's I do too. There's a and, and I, but I think that he can build his team. But the question is, I I think that he basically needs to get on the good side of the board and basically get their permission for a rebuild. In order to, because Hazard is gone, to to get money to rebuild, transfer the players that don't need to be there, and you're looking at four or five years down the line for this team with sorry, but he I think he can do it. I do want to read you Chelsea. Uh, don't get given that kind of time. No, that's that. So it's unrealistic. Yeah, I mean that, that might be fair, and I do want to. I mean, you're you're talking. We're we're already talking about you know. A, yeah, we had one manager in the top six sacked already this year. This will be the third manager on the podcast where we've talked of uh, potential being sacked. Mourinho at United already feels like a weird opium dream that I had. Yeah, that knocked me out for a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 yeah, and then we're talking about Pochettino leaving. So there's a lot of shakeup in these managers if you're not one of those two teams at the top potentially. Uh, but last year Conte just lost that locker room and this was a quote from Matt Law today uh, he said sorry told his Chelsea players that they have not even picked up the basics of his quote sorry ball philosophy and pointed the finger at among others hazard for failing to follow instructions players mm. think sorry's approach is too dependent on Jorginho and that opposition teams have worked them out and I don't want to call us fortuitous but we went in on Jorginho at the last podcast and we we were just kind of joking about the fact that Jorginho, like, why does he even belong in that team? Like, he, he's the Phil Jones of that team. Right. And, you know, I don't want to call us the, you know, the the smartest Premier League podcasters out there. We are the top trending. But I'm not yeah. calling us the smartest. I'm not calling us the yeah. smartest. I won't do hey, it. We're on the first page of the Google search. I but won't that, do it. It doesn't say anything. Yeah. That's for other people to say. It's not for us to say. But people we said, have said it. We said this didn't make sense last week. Turns out we're in that locker room. This blows my mind because Sorry's four or five months into a job. Jorginho is four or five months into a job, and there's already a clear divide. And I, mm-hmm. you know, is like, do you go down with Jorginho? Yeah, yeah, right. Do you do you hang your hat on Jorginho making or breaking your career? Play Conti as your holding one. midfielder. Play Conti as oh, your holding yeah. midfielder. I mean, drop Hazard in, man. like drop Hazard in, drop Pedro in if you need to. And you got Higuain going for Giroud off the bench. You could play uh, Kovacic through the midfield. You could play Barkley through the midfield. You, uh, you have options. 
Yeah. But he's not doing it. He, and, he, and he let go of, uh, what's his name, Fabregas? So, yikes. We have, I mean, I think we have two... Um, Two Chelsea fans out there who are who are who are who are going to be guests of the podcast in the future. So we we might be talking a lot in depth about Chelsea, but man, I might be like walking myself out of this take because this quote really shook me. It is. It's a shook worthy quote. And let's save let's save a few conversation topics for our, our Chelsea guest who's going to come on this episode. Maybe um, you know redact this if that doesn't happen. Yeah, maybe but, next one though. We'll get them on very yeah. soon. Yeah. Um, so whether or not it's this one, um, we'll save some some discussion points for him. Fair enough. Uh, moving on, do we want to talk about Spurs? The one thing I wrote What's down there to talk was, about? here's what I wrote down, hilarious hyphen best ever Premier League season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it's... I think what that means is it's hilarious that this is statistically their best start to a Premier League season, and no one gives a shit. Yeah, this is... In, in talking about Spurs, to complete your food analogy, it's like you go to a potluck and somebody makes the worst thing ever but like is asking you to try it. That is what talking about Spurs is like. Nothing happens mm. with them. Nothing matters with them. They could have in their best season ever. Perhaps trophy a cabinet is buffalo empty. cauliflower dip. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Uh, I'm not touching that one. But, yeah, they're just... They're just uneventful. Like, like... I don't know what to say, and I really like. I'm not taking the piss. I just don't know what to say about them. What matters? They've still not drawn. That's just how impressively mediocre they are. <laughs> they can't even. They're either win or they lose. There's no middle. Like there's just like what are they? They're the only team with a zero in that category. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's impressive or sad, but the point being, um, their lack of depth got shown up. Um, I feel like they've been more synonymous with a with a stadium fiasco than a serious title charge. And I think until they do things that make you stand up and take notice, like sign a marquee player to play with those, you know, talented players who are up at the top, um, no one's going to really care. And they're just going to keep doing Spursy shit. So yeah. I don't know if there's more to say about that. No. All right. No. I'm going to turn the dogs loose. Arsenal, <laughs> you have... You have four minutes. The uh, the who let the dogs out? The who let the dogs out of the Premier League always oh, quick makes sidebar. a podcast better. Yeah, quick sidebar. Do you want to tell the people about your who, who let the dogs out there? Oh yeah, I've got a theory that has yet to be disproven, so it might as well be taken as scientific fact. If you put who let the dogs out on, no matter the venue or occasion, it will make that occasion better. No, I think that I think the word. Or did I that- say party? Yeah, I take? Just entra- no, no, no. The entrapping part is you say it makes a party better. I think the way to protect it and hedge your bets is say it doesn't make it worse. I'm not. I'm. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried well, about it leveling off and, and not raising the bar. I think it raises the bar at every occasion. I don't know because we did it at my house one time and people looked confused and we settled with that not being worse. Like confusion is not a bad thing. Well, I think that what was confusing is we didn't turn it off after the very first chorus. Like, you got to get out, too. You can't just... You're just basically playing Who Let the Dogs Out, and then you're right back into Avicii, and people are like, rest in peace. And then they're just like, wait, what happened? And then, you know, then you tell someone, hey, you hear Who Let the Dogs Out? And they're like, yeah, man, that really that really changed that the night. strange. Who were those guys? Yeah. You don't know those guys? Yeah. <laughs> Turns out it wasn't my house. Baja, man. Haven't heard that uh, name in years. Boy. All right. Uh, talk to me about Arsenal. What did do that you cut want to talk into my about? four minutes? 
Uh, I haven't decided yet. Okay. Um, Dennis Suarez, I am just hopeful that he's taking Granite Jacques' minutes. That's what I'm hoping out. Um, I think that we saw... I mean, I don't, I don't think he's hurt, but uh, Jaka did not start against Cardiff. Um, Torreira and El Nenny started, which was a little and Ganduzi. So I mean, I just don't love the hey, let's put three holding midfielders in the midfield thing that Emery does. Uh, you know, I think that what is obviously we don't have a De Bruyne or a Pogba or. I mean, I guess Ericsson's not even Ericsson's more of an attacker full out than than he is a midfielder, but. Um, you know, Chelsea doesn't really have a comparable, I don't think. Uh, Liverpool. Yeah, I guess they don't have... They play a different style. But we don't have a guy that's going to get in from the midfield and get forward like 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 those other teams. But I'd like to see mm-hmm. people who are a little bit more dynamic. I think Ganduzi can get there. I think Torreira and Elneny is probably a little redundant unless you're playing, you know, one of the top sides and you really just kind of want to get stuck in in the midfield and, and win a more grueling battle uh, you're still I, throwing El Nenny into that conversation look which... I think I think that um, he is the who let the dogs out of squad players he comes into the team and he he improves things or he doesn't make it worse I think he's yeah if we're gonna go if we're gonna pigeonhole my take and he doesn't make it worse that's El Nenny man the guy comes in and he puts in a shift and he does it with a smile on his face he is there's a reason he's always in the team sheet because he's you never, never been know when you're directly, need him. he's never been directly responsible for an opposing team's goal. He has not. He, you know, someone could fact check me on this, but I look at the team sheet on every single game. I'm willing to say that he has not been left off the team sheet in any competition this season. Mm. I think that he is absolutely vital in your team sheet. It's Might like not a be vital in the goalkeeper. field. You're not going to use him, but he's going to be there. You know what? You don't need to downplay this because my boy is in there, and I think that he provides. I think, and, 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 and this might be a sad state of the Arsenal franchise, but I think what El Nenny provides is something that Arsenal lacks, which is conviction. I, don't, I think that the, the biggest thing that I struggle to see in Arsenal players week in, week out, is conviction. Willing to get stuck into tackles, willing to mix it up, willing to kind of just... You know, when things are going awry, like Mustafi is always looking at the linesman. Socrates yelling at Mustafi. Bellerin hands on his head. You know, Maitland Niles just like, who are these people? You're supposed to be older and better than me, and you're not. Like, El Nenny provides, through chaotic play, a sense of calm, a sense of stability. And it's sad that that's what I want, but no one else brings it. And I mean, maybe outside of Aubameyang and Lacazette, but mm-hmm. you know, who like even against Cardiff, it's just frustrating. We won, but we like we needed a little bit of help to win. Cardiff was the better team in the first half, but they're it's just so easy to defend against Arsenal, man. It's so easy to defend against Arsenal because they attack with three. In it, whether it's Ramsey, whether it's Ozil playing in that like center midfield mm-hmm. role, or if they're doing the three wide with mm-hmm. Awobi, and it's. Aubameyang, Lacazette, and one other player just kind of working themselves in like, you're really just relying on the class of Aubameyang and Lacazette, and it's frustrating because they're sitting fourth in the table, and that's how they got there. And there's just not, re- you're not doing anything to feed them. You're not doing anything to make things happen for those for those players. Yeah. And, and that's what's frustrating because I know every single game Arsenal walks onto that field, they can lose. And there's almost no times no time at any point in these games where I am fully confident in the result so 
you know, they, they've got to change some things. I'm hoping Dennis Suarez can be that positive influence. You know, maybe provide some link-up play. I think that that, you know, Ozil has not had a good year, and I think he's, he's, he's not a guy that's going to thrive on his own. I think we know that. Uh, so I'm hoping that, you know, Suarez can provide some link-up play and a little bit of energy, but, um, you know, I've kind of diverged off a lot of my main point, but I, I do think I said some interesting things. I know I want to wrap it up, but I do think that Arsenal's I think there I, I were think, some. I think there were some quotables in there. Don't yeah. Don't yeah. sell yourself short. Yeah, but my what I what I did just want to say is I think that Arsenal's in for um, a tough weekend. Obviously coming up against City, but just the way that they are getting hit with the injuries, especially on their back line, I just I just don't see this. I mean, it, it would be it's still my expectation, and I'm still and maybe I'm deluding myself into it, but. It, Top four with the way United is playing and the gap to close on Tottenham is going to be a. That's going to be tough for Arsenal. That's going to be tough for yeah. Arsenal. So I mean, yeah, my my I eyes mean, are on Europa League. Truthfully, if I'm being honest with you right now. Oh well, you bring up Europa League like a perfect segue. But I gotta save this segment because I know there's other stuff we want to do. Sure. Keep this in mind for next week. I got a segment called Europa. I don't even know a. Oh, so. love it already. Going to come back to that one. Um, the one thing I wanted to say at Arsenal about Arsenal at risk of dragging it on is uh, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of Emery in the media, mm-hmm. but I think you can rest well at night knowing that that guy has been studying every single piece of tape there is on Manchester City. Yeah, he's leaving it on the table. Uh, and, you know, I can sleep well knowing that he's working hard. Great. But there's a quote written on the wall in my, uh, my, uh, um, my office where it says, uh, don't confuse effort with results. And that man doesn't know how to put a, put a t- tactics together for his 11. Leaves his best player on the bench. And his second best player, Ozil, is also on the bench. So, you know, it. there's still some things he's got to piece together for me. There's still some things. And I'm on the long, long haul train with Emery. And I appreciate the effort he's putting in. And I love a little bit of crazy in my manager. So I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. But like, there's got to be a couple changes. All right. We'll see how that develops. That was our Arsenal correspondent, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. It's going to rain. Back to you guys in the studio. <laughs> um, Alrighty. We, I guess now would be the natural time to talk about United. I don't really have too much to say because I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. Um, you know, tied a game 2-2 against Burnley at home. Uh, still undefeated. You know, obviously not having that 100% record is going to sting a little bit. But I'll put it in perspective. I had to watch the game on my laptop at work. And at 2-0 down, I think it was the 80th minute. Um, I don't know if you've been in this situation before. Maybe this applies to everyone else who has to watch their favorite team while at work. If you're losing and the game's got about 10 minutes to play out, you start going through the coping mechanisms of what you do to feel okay and show people that you look like you're okay. Which is one of the hardest things you you can do. It's like if someone asks you to do something, it's like, yeah, I'm fine, everything's fine. Like, yeah, I'll go do this thing, and you're just dying inside a little bit. How um, how blatant are you watching these games? Is it kosher that you're watching these games? Or are you going incognito, like clicking um, off? Tabs? Shout out, no, shout out seventy two. Um, they're pretty cool. What I what I try to do is um. I'm just going to lay it all out there. What I try to do is I've got two screens. I got my laptop and I got like a desktop that I can HDMI plug in. Mm. So I've got my work laptop up. I I do like broad daylight connected to the HDMI, the big laptop. So uh, sorry, the big TV. So people like come by, you know, watch the game. They'll ask me how it's going. And then there's also the reassurance that I'm very much still doing work stuff on my laptop, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, but you're not, right? Well, productivity, if you stacked them side by side of watching game versus not watching game, there's no comparison. But I'm doing some things. Okay, okay. And uh, what had happened for this game was the second half I, I detached and I went and sat in a corner and I watched the game. Just no shame. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I can respect that. Yeah, so that's that's where I was at. Okay. And, um, you know, what do you know? It ends up 2-2. I think, you know, Fergie time is back. And if anything, I come out of that feeling positive. Mm-hmm. I think I think that is when you want to have a lesson and you can take it into these big games that we have coming up. Um, as far as what did I learn, mostly it's that we can't be complacent. What is still evident but isn't new to anyone is that our defense is kind of shit, and it's mm-hmm. not a surprise. Um, Phil Jones is Phil Jones. Lindelof had a great game. Credit to him. But when Ashley Young is our starting right back and he's our captain, I think – it was so normal for so long that people forgot that we're Manchester United and Ashley Young is those things, are starting right back on our captain. And we need to take a look at that. Yeah, is Valencia, Valencia must be hurt then, I'm guessing? Something weird is going on with Valencia. Okay. I don't know. He is injured. I That is 100% what the, you know, the statement is. He's injured. Um I'm surprised he hasn't made a comeback because he, you know, on his day is, is one of the best right backs in the league. So yeah, yeah, he can still have a crack. It needs to be figured out. All right. Do you think we cover top six? We did. I had one question for you, though. News yeah. of Neymar being out of both legs, both legs of the round of 16 tie. I want an updated take prediction Can't for wait. the Champions League result. Can't result. wait. Uh, oh boy. Um, my money's, I mean, you never want to do this with your team, but I think it's for me to keep my, keep my, you know, um, anxiety levels and my expectations in check. I, I would say that PSG is still the favorites. I don't, I don't favorite us to win, but I do think we've got a really good shot. Nice. Yeah. A better, as better shot than we would have. And the problem is the first leg is Old Trafford. And that's right. where you need to defend. When you're at home, it's it's counterintuitive. You know, when you're at home, you're the idea is you want to attack. But in a Champions League game where away goals are so crucial, that's when you want to defend right. and be solid. And when you're away at the Parc de Prince, that is when you need to go at them. So it'll be interesting to see how strong we can be at home. If we hold them to one goal and don't lose, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be, you know, really optimistic going into the second yeah and james since we have um hundreds if not thousands of new american listeners can you explain the uh the aggregate goal system for for folks because it is a two-leg tie which is foreign Mm -hmm. to 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 most uh american sports fans okay so this is how it works in a round robin tournament like the champions league you have let's say there are 16 teams in a pot they call it the round of 16 there's eight matchups in one of those matchups two teams play each other twice Manchester United is going to play part, uh, Paris Saint-Germain twice, once at home, once away. Let's say the first leg is 1-1. Let's say the second leg is 2-2. That leaves it at 3-3. So you're thinking, well, does it go to penalties? How does this work? It's 3-3. It's a tie. Not necessarily. The first leg was 1-1. The away team, let's say it's PSG, scored one goal. Now reverse it to the second game, Manchester United, as the away team where there's a... Um, it's the more difficult leg, um, as common knowledge would dictate. Mm-hmm. 
Manchester United scores two goals. Those two goals are worth more than one goal. So in the 3-3, United goes through on away goals. However, let's say it's nil-nil in both games. It's the most, it's the worst round of 16. There's no away goal advantage. So in which case it does go to extra time. How was that? That was perfect. Well, yeah. well said. Yeah, it's yeah. just the, the, the only way it goes to extra time is if the results exactly mirror each other, whatever they might have been. Cool. I hope someone learned something. Yeah. We know something, right. you guys. We know something. Well, we got a challenge ahead of us because we're quickly coming up on an hour. I know you got a segment, and I got a who's man's to bring us home. Let's we'll okay. do this thing. Okay, so we're bringing back a old segment um, called Kiki, Do You Start Me? Are you uh, this is Huh? Are you riding? Are you playing? So you never, ever leave from the team sheet. Because um, I won't, won't you? Yeah. So, Kiki, do you start me is where I ask James some questions. And this one will be one question about who he would choose to start. Our previous iteration was basically looking at um, different competitions on one team and figuring out who you would start. This one's going to be a little different. James, are you ready for this? Because I think this is a challenge. I had fun doing it, but I am asking you to do it blind and live. The only thing James knows is he's going to be asked to pick an 11. I'm concerned. Are you ready? Yes. I want you to pick an 11, your best 11, in the Premier League, and here are the stipulations. You can use any formation. Okay. You cannot choose anybody from your favorite team. And you can only choose up to two players from any of the other teams in the top six. Oh, boy. I got my little notepad here with my results on it. If you want to stall for some time to think, I can go first, or you can go first, and then I'll read mine and compare. And just to be fair, you will uh, we'll just have the people know that you're doing this on the fly where I had plenty of time in yeah. the internet to sort my this? team out. Why don't you direct this towards the audience, and you might think... With you going, I'm going to steal some of your answers. Truth be told, I'm not going to be listening to you at all. I'm going to be doing my list. And then when you finish, I'll read mine. And that's how much time I have. Okay, great. I'll do a little bit of explaining in my choices uh, after my team sheet um, is done. And you'll have something fun to listen to when you listen back to the podcast. Uh, Okay, so team sheet. So I'm running with a 4-3-3 formation with a holding midfielder, uh, two wingers, you know, wing backs. I'm looking to get forward. Uh, in goal, I'm going with David De Gea, goalkeeper, Manchester United. Best goalkeeper in the Prem. Probably the best goalkeeper in the world. Shout out Jan Oblak. But clear number one on my team sheet. We need to be able to defend because this team's getting forward. Uh, right back, I'm going with Kyle Walker from Manchester City. I think he's the best right back in the league. Uh, you know, He's having a little bit of a rough spell right now, but I'm still slotting him in there. Next to him at center back, I'm going Virgil van Dijk from Liverpool. Uh, Very, very good defender. Again, another one who might be the best in the league at his position. Next to van Dijk, I'm going out of the top six, and I'm going with Harry Maguire from Leicester City. You'll remember him from the World Cup. He scored in the World Cup. Almost brought it home for England, but didn't. And I'm slotting him in there at at center back. Next to him on, on the left... I think one of the most promising players in the Premier League, Andrew Robinson. Hope that's his first name. Maybe it's Andy. I don't know. Left back for Liverpool. And yes, I have used my two Liverpool players to fill in the back. I think core of a championship team starts at the defense. Moving on to my holding midfielder. 
again, I think best in the world here. And Gola Conte, you remember him from that French side, the little guy in the middle, wreaking havoc, playing defense, feeding out to my studs up front, and we're getting into it. We're getting into it. 4-3-3. Who's in front of Conte? I got two guys. Two, again, best in the world. Kevin De Bruyne on one side, Paul Pogba on the other. Asked me a month ago, might not be putting Pogba there. But as of where we stand now, he's looking like one of the best players in the world, one of the best players in the Prem, really as a non-United fan. Not fun to see him playing as well as he is. He is terrifying. Kevin De Bruyne, coming off some injuries this year. He hasn't really been able to showcase his skills, uh, but phenomenal World Cup with Belgium. Uh, You'll obviously remember him from the... Manchester City title campaign of last year, you know, absolute force going forward, shoots well with both feet, very quick, very strong, good on the ball, Uh, you know, that midfield would cause some problems. Uh, At my left wing, I'm going with, yeah, he's probably not the best in the world because Ronaldo plays that position as well, but Eden Hazard, uh, one of the best guys in the Premier League, disgruntled or not, I think he can change the game better than just about anybody. Uh, Center of the park. I am going Harry Kane. Uh, my lone spur, the only good spur, I dare to say. Uh, you know, he's a, a metric of consistency. Uh, I thought about Aguero there, but I wanted to slot in some of the, the city defense, so I had to go with Kane. And at right wing, I'm going with Wilfred Zaha from uh, Crystal Palace. Need a little bit of spice and a little bit of flair. Uh, and, of course, giving a little gut punch to Tottenham, only using one spur and getting two people from outside the top six. So, that is my top 11. James, your time is up. Let's hear what you got. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready, Howie. Um, I'll take briefcase number 19. Yep. What formation's in 19? Oh, sorry. I thought this was um, deal or no deal. Uh, One million dollars! (laughs) (laughs) First off, I got to say the fact that I couldn't pick any any players from United and I had to pick from Arsenal instead was a, just a real kick to the nets. That was the that was where this game started. That was the yeah, seed yeah, that grew into the tree. There's no Arsenal player that deserves to be in this team. I'm going to start right there. Uh, okay. So here's how it goes. I have in my goal You got to stop thinking um, and say them. Tom Heaton, because he just put on a fucking clinic against United. He's a Burnley keeper. He was blighted by injury, so he didn't get to be. Actually, pivot. It's Pickford. That was I was stalling. Done. It's Pickford. Lock it in. Jordan Pickford, future England great, uh, future it's World Cup winner. Home, yep. Coming home. Coming <laughs> home. Sammy the Adams world. version. All right. Okay, we got to keep going here. <laughs> right back, uh, Kyle Walker, and. Uh, that's two out of two uh, Brits, but don't worry. I'm about to change it up. No more Brits feature in this team. Uh, okay, so center back, I've got Rudiger from Chelsea. He's probably the only Chelsea defender other than Azpilicueta who's covered himself any glory. Quick side note, how is David Luiz just getting paid what he gets paid, you know, touted as one of the best center backs? Um, what a turnover and mistake machine. Okay, so that's Rudiger there. Uh, Van Dyke. 
Uh, terrible name, terrible team. Uh, don't like his face, but hell, he's a good defender. He's my other center back. And then this is kind of um, this is a pretty unorthodox method, but I've got uh, Pereira from Leicester, who is having a blinder of a season. And normally he's a right back, but hey, you know what? I'm going to play him at left back because I need my players to be versatile. That's mm-hmm. my four at the back. As you'll find out, entering the next phase, I like to play an attacking 4-3-3. Here's my mm-hmm. midfield. I also selected Conte as my second and final Chelsea player. Um, best holding midfielder in the world. And then I've got De Bruyne slotting in. A li- he's not an attacking mid. He's not a holding mid. He's that He's that wild card midfielder who plays probably a little bit in front of Conte. Yep, going rover. Supporting in front of him, Erickson, Christian Erickson, my first Tottenham player. And that brings us to my front three of... Uh, Son Heung-min, absolute blinder, workhorse. Um, what what more can I say about him? That dude has the work ethic that I need on my team, and he produces. And then on the other side, on the right side, I would say I've got Mo Salah. Um, you know, he takes a few too many diving lessons for my liking, but um, the man comes up with the goods. And then you know, I had to I had to give you at least one Mourinho respect level, and I tossed in Obama Young, uh, top goal scorer, to lead the line. That's my four three three. So I'm a little upset that you only used uh, one Arsenal player. Oh, uh, believe me, uh, one was a stretch. <laughs> yeah. I actually wrote down Lacazette because every time Lacazette scores, you text me and say he's class. So I thought you were going to slot him in there. And that is true, listeners. James yeah. James, James thinks uh, Lacazette's But I have, to go, I have to go with the numbers. Yep, Obama no fair play. So you have two of the top goal scorers on your team. I'm looking at these on paper and just trying to see who wins. We had four crossover players, which are Walker, Van Dyke, Conte, and De Bruyne. And I think those are just, you know, pretty obvious. Um, I think my team wins. I think my team wins. Run it back for me super quick. De Gea, Walker, Van Dyke, Maguire, Robertson, De Bruyne, Conte, Pogba, Hazard, Kane, Zaha. I think Zaha doesn't deserve to be in that team. Uh, well, I mean, I was. What were we going to do? Put Ali in there? I'm not putting Deli Ali in there. Well, I mean, look at my my six players: Conte, De Bruyne, Eriksen, Son, Salah, Aubameyang. Arguably, the six best players in the Premier League right now. I don't want to make this a whole what? thing. I, I didn't. I didn't cover my goalie and my back four in glory because you took De Gea away from me, and you know, picking a. Top six goalkeeper kind of ruins your uh, your pool there, and I wasn't going to pick Burn Leno. Jesus. There's only so, one good uh, United outfielder, so that was a pretty easy call for me. You watch your tongue. <laughs> well, that was fun. That was another episode of Kiki, Do You Start Me? And that's where we would Enjoyed put the that. song in right there. Oh, can you do that? I think um, we're still under the radar enough. Um, you know, I know we're blowing up, and we're getting... We're getting a little big for our britches, but I think we can still fly under the radar with copyright infringement. I have a uh, karaoke mic with auto-tune in it, so I think that I'm just going to record our own version of that, and we'll see how that goes. That's phenomenal. All right, we are at a min- uh, an hour and six, which is real disappointing, but I want to end this on a good note, and it's the segment we all know and love. Patrick, I know you love this one. It's called Who's Man's, yeah. where essentially I read out a few quotes to you. Mm-hmm. These are managerial quotes that I swear to God were said even though as, as we go through these, it, it, the context is, is really lost on a whole lot of people. Um, and Patrick over here is going to try and guess who said them. And in this installment, we've got 
It's a uh, triple threat trio, mm. Rage Brigade. It's uh, Jurgen Klopp, Wenger, and Mourinho, our three favorites. Uh, and then we've got one that I, I couldn't leave out from none of those guys. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. People at home, ready. Here's the first quote. Ready. We have a bow and arrow, and if we aim well, we can hit the target. The problem is that Bayern has a bazooka. But then again, Robin Hood was quite successful. That's Arsene Wenger. Wow, you are not hot out of the gates. I thought Bayern would be a dead giveaway. Well, Arsenal got spanked. Arsenal got spanked by Bayern 10-2 in a two-legged two-legged uh it was yeah, the last time fair. they played in the Champions League. They, oh man. They got All right. I I remember texting you during that game when Arsenal was down 4-1 at home and just and I I said, "I hope they score one more just so the scores are symmetrical." And sure enough, they did. And uh, but no, Klopp. That makes a lot of sense in hindsight. But okay, zero for one. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I appreciate you going with your gut on the first one. It can only get better from there. I'm not thinking. Number I'm shooting two. from the hip because that's really Hitch. what this game's about. Oh yeah, it's about having fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. If people come to your window and talk to your wife every night, you can't accept it without asking what's going on. That's this Mourinho. Is a post. This is a post-match press conference. Mourinho. Uh, no, you are wrong. That is Wenger. Uh, and as you'll remember, I noticed this theme while I was, you know, trying to keep this stupid segment going. Uh, Wenger, he talks about, he has a lot of wife analogies. Yeah, he has a lot of wife and sexual, not even innuendos, just like weird analogies. And it makes you really wonder what he's all about in the bedroom. And it's, he's French, so it's always got adulterous undertones to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, for two. All right. Number I'm two. Best. All right. Number three, she wrote a book for children. It's like Harry Potter, but it's about football. There's no Harry Potter flying on his fucking stick. Just football. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Klopp? Yeah. Sounds like Klopp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, undeniably Klopp. The fucking stick was the giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) It took all my might not to do it in the accent. (laughs) All right. Oh, I love this one because this is like a... This is like an epic novel that plays out over three parts. Okay. Um, Am I to guess? I'm to guess at one, or are there three different ones? I guess that that no, it's all it's all one quote. It's not long. It's one manager. Um, The context is when he's describing his uh, activity in the transfer market. Mm. It is like having a blanket that is too small for the bed. You pull up the blanket to keep your chest warm and your feet stick out. I cannot buy a bigger blanket because the supermarket is closed, but I am content because the blanket is cashmere. It is no ordinary blanket. If that's not Mourinho, we need to we need to hang up this segment. If that's well not Mourinho, done. I'm done. Well done. Oh, now now that you've got it, can we go back and dissect that? Can we do a play by play on that? Yeah, so, so is this a, this is an analogy for the transfer market, yeah? Yeah, okay, so... Okay, so let's break it lines. down piece by piece. First two lines. It is like having a blanket that is too small for the bed. You pull the blanket up to keep your chest warm, and your feet stick out. If it ended there, I would have been like, fine. Normal quote, normal analogy. Um, I don't know. even get that. Like, what's okay, he saying? Okay, so he doesn't have enough players, and it's like, if... what The way I interpret it, like... You know, you've got all your strikers fit and a defender's injured or all your defenders fit and a striker's Mm. injured. Okay. And then he decides to take the analogy a step further, which I commend him for by saying, I cannot buy a bigger blanket because the supermarket is closed. (laughs) (laughs) Presumably the transfer window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
and then he does he does a 180 and says <laughs> he contradicts it he goes but i'm content because the blanket is cashmere it is no ordinary blanket you know what i after seeing that again i love that quote because he's saying you know what it's our position isn't great i can't act on it but we got a damn good team <laughs> You know, he's he's been known for saying some bad things about his team, but I am Team Mourinho on this quote. Oh, well, I've got another Mourinho one in here, and it's not very complimentary. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, he, he, he's got... Trust me, he goes he a goes million right. different ways with his quotes. We got, we got three more. I'm a bit proud of my first red card as a coach. I approached the fourth official and said, how many mistakes have you allowed here? If it's 15, you've got one more. <laughs> I mean, oh, that was a weird one because uh, I'm, I gotta go Klopp, but I don't feel good about it. Oh, it's Klopp. Okay, you're finishing strong. Okay, That's how just many weird. mistakes are allowed here? If it's 15, you got one more. That is the most badass way to get a red card. <laughs> I loved it, and I hate how much I love Klopp. I'll say it, but I love to love him. Yeah. Well, only it's a Liverpool thing. Yeah, I know. All right, so here's the next one. Two left. <laughs> Ricardo Calvallo seems to have problems understanding things. Maybe he shouldn't have an. Maybe he should have an IQ test or something, or go to a mental hospital. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think this might be the wild card, but if it's not, it's got to be Mourinho. It is. Okay. It is. Well done. This is another one that, in <laughs> essence, is already a huge insult. And then it just escalates to a thousand by saying, or go to a mental hospital. Yeah, do you know if he got... Because like, we were talking about the FA. Like, That's his own player. His own fucking player. The coach of... Whoever's coaching Joachim Note. Uh, Noah right now like he, he said, like they asked him about his performance and he just goes Joachim's fucking crazy <laughs> that kind of got me thinking about like <laughs> coaches just being like so honest about yeah, their players it is, it's so funny when coaches are like that oh. it's a peek behind the curtain oh it's so good alright here's imagine our imagine the one. things he doesn't say oh right yeah to be a fly the on things the wall. he takes home to be a fly on the wall in that locker room oh the things he tells his wife right. when he vents. Yeah. It's real. The Portuguese comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's my All wild right. card? Um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to get this one right away. It's not a household name, but I saw this, and I, I had to have it. Okay. It's the crown jewel of, of quotes. Okay. Let me, see if I, let me see if I can come close. <laughs> you're not. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. I'll give you context. Uh, basically, United, when they had Ronaldo, just spanked this team. And this is what the opposing manager had to say, talking about Ronaldo. He's six foot something, fit as a flea, good looking. He's got to have something wrong with him. Hopefully he's hung like a hamster. That would make us all feel better. Having said that, Mimisas has got a pet hamster at home, and his cock's massive. <laughs> oh my god, I got no fucking clue who that is. Um... Shit. It was the, it's it's the manager of Blackpool back in like oh nine. Okay, his name's yeah. Ian. His name's Ian Holloway. Look him up. Yeah. Top top bloke. Oh my god. <laughs> He's got to have something wrong with him. It kind of like 
I, I forget that whoever um, City is playing in the in their leg of I believe the the Carabao Cup semifinal, some like lower lower um, lower tier like lower table or lower league side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They asked him like they lost nine nothing in the first leg, and the reporter asked him was like. Does that go how you expected it? And he went like, "Ah, oh, yeah, just about." <laughs> just like, and then just gets into a really candid interview about how he's like, "This is amazing for a football club to be here. We're not going to stop competing, but we know we're going to get spanked." Like he basically said that, but just in the British way. We're you know, all well aware. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the candor there is just great. And also, <laughs> I'm you know, hold on, let me just Google hamster dicks right now. Let me see if that's uh, the truth. All right. I'm gonna get myself on a list right now. <laughs> this is actually this is actually happening. Yeah. Okay. Well, the funny thing I noticed about these interviews—they're pretty small. They're pretty small. All right. All right. Can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> Relatively small. And Great back joke. To the boys, back Great to the guys in the studio. Gotcha. <laughs> um, the funny thing I picked out from all of these is just the stream of consciousness that managers go through. Mourinho coming full circle on his blanket quote. This guy, Ian Holloway, like having a pretty sick burn and then negating it. <laughs> it's just, it's just so classic. But that's, that's just good comedy. That's good comedy. Oh, yeah. That's a good no. joke with that guy. Yeah, told. Right, right. You know, that guy was, yeah, class. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, now that we know what a hamster's dick looks like, uh, we are at 116. This was meant to be a lead into an interview. I hate to, you know, bring us over the two hour mark. Um, why don't, don't we, um, yeah, why don't we go with, uh, get this one out, and then do the interview post-Chelsea, because Chelsea has a big game this week. Or no, they don't. Right. But they're going uh, into a well, big no, stretch playing, of games. They're playing Huddersfield. They have, their their two games after this are City and United, I believe. Or maybe All not. Right. Or City and Tottenham. I don't know. Well, they, they got some big ones coming up. Okay. Let's yeah, let's do this. Let's make this its own episode in isolation. Okay. Um, sidebar, uh, cover yours. We're yeah. gonna do this own episode in isolation. We'll do the interview this weekend. Share that out as its own little you know minisode. And um, in general, thanks to everyone for listening. You know, if you made it this far to the end of the episode, we're never gonna stop bringing you guys this kind of this kind of content. And uh, if you could follow us on Instagram, that would help us get the good word out and hmm. go one step further. Um, if you want to share out that Apple Podcast link to any friends, family, we are in full on go mode and we're out here building. Um, Patrick, I don't know if you have anything to add on. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing a uh, create a player in FIFA right now, and we got to pick a position. I want to get your thoughts. <laughs> right wing back. See, I was thinking that, um, but I, I kind of want to be involved but realistic. That's what I'm looking for. Like, where would I play? Oh, I mean, if you're if you're not doing striker as your as your uh, hero player in FIFA, you're a psychopath because you just follow the ball. I think I might do holding midfielder, try and be oh, the next in goal to Conte. That's terrible. All right, Patrick, why don't you send us out? You seem very engaged. Uh, yeah. Well, now you kind of shook me because I was dead set on not being a forward and that's i just kind of wanted you to say something else and i'd be good with it but anyway yeah echo james because we you know i've been i've been called the echo chamber online and in person um related to this podcast and not thrilled to have people actually listening to this uh we are going to keep going we're not going to stop uh we're going to have more guests we're going to be more engaged on social uh this is just the beginning of what will 
be we're gonna a, keep winning. We're gonna win some more. We're gonna win big in 2019. Yeah, and uh, we will. We will have some some good guests. I, I I think you'll be surprised with the quality of uh, of some of our guests, and that's a little teaser for the future. Yeah. Uh, and with that, I think we can send it out, uh, and I will go take Patrick Crowley and LAFC as a holding midfielder to the title.